Welcome to Insight Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having inside the agency with our coworkers, our clients, and our partners. I'm Peter Ujicic, Director of Technology at Situation, and joining me is my podcast co-host and account supervisor at Situation, Lauren Bailey. Hi, Lauren. Hey, Peter. Are you excited for our first podcast? So excited. Great. Well, we're, we're thrilled to be doing this together, and we're thrilled to have some listeners who are listening to us, and uh, we can't wait to see where this crazy experiment goes. Um, just to tee up what the format of our, our discussion today, what we thought we'd do is start off by explaining a little bit why we're throwing our hat into the podcasting ring um, and how we hope that our listeners will join with us to suggest ideas and topics. And then we're going to move into a, a roundtable discussion of our main topic with some of our coworkers here at Situation. And then finally, we'll wrap up with recommendations from our full group about an experience we don't think you can miss. So, first and foremost, Lauren, answer me this question. Why on earth would Situation want to put out a podcast? Well, we were thinking about it the other day, and first of all, we all really like podcasts as in general. That's true. But then also, we have so many interesting conversations that are happening here all the time, whether it's amongst ourselves, but with our clients too, and all these different situations that are coming up. And we just thought it was interesting to make that elevate that conversation so that it's not just happening within our walls, but also to put it out there to the world to make them join in the conversation as well. Maybe show them a little bit how the sausage is made on the inside. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's also, uh, we are hoping that it's an opportunity for our listeners to, to hear a little bit more about some of the crazy things that we're doing uh, that you may not expect from a digital marketing agency. I think our main topic today, which is about taking creative ideas into production realities, is a great example of that. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, an event that we did not too long ago at the Javits Center that for a lot of people might seem like a departure from the everyday workings of what they think happens at a digital agency, but it's really the kind of stuff that we get sucked into all the time. And honestly, the stuff that makes us uh, really like working here uh, to kind of stretch the boundaries and, and go into new new uh, areas of, of uh, exploration with our clients uh, and, and hopefully come out with a great product. Definitely. I mean, I think it's all about the partnership there with the clients and, and with us and thinking outside of the box. And so that's just kind of what this podcast is about, too. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it, without any further ado, let's move on to our first Inside Situation Roundtable discussion. Uh, our topic that we wanted to talk about was translating marketing dreams into production realities. How do we take things from the drawing board and actually make them happen? So we've got two amazing guests joining us. Uh, our first guest is Miriam Nagar, who's the senior producer for video and special projects at Situation. Hello, Miriam. Hello. And we also have Jordan Person, who is our business development and agency communications manager. Hello, Jordan. Hey, Peter. So um, why don't you each take a minute and tell us a little bit about what you guys do at Situation? Jordan, let's start with you. Sure. So basically, my job encompasses a lot of things, but what I would say kind of encapsulates it best maybe is my job is to make sure that everyone uh, knows exactly what it is that we at Situation do, the awesome projects that we're working on, and uh, ultimately, my job is to go kind of drum up new business and new clients for us. Uh, so uh, it's exciting. I get to be on the front lines of kind of agency growth, which is a fun place to be. Cool. Thank you. And Miriam, what about you? What's a day like for you? Oh, what is a day like for me? Well, day to day, it's pretty crazy, but <laughs> I am part of the larger creative team, um, and I work 
really with the our director, Christopher Hawthorne, um, to just take any kind of video ideas that come up here. We create video content for all of our clients um, in a variety of different ways and formats. And it's it's fun, but really it's just about going out and shooting a lot of great content and editing it, editing it into beautiful pieces. Tell us about those uh, special projects, Miriam. Special projects. Well, <laughs> you know, special project, it, it's, uh, it's always exciting. <laughs> it's hard to explain. And anything that isn't a true video production um, project falls under special projects. So it's anything from art development, art buying, uh, to to the project that I believe we're going to talk about today, which kind of started as a video idea, but then we quickly became oh so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give us a little bit of context about uh, the NBC upfronts and how that led us to thinking about this conversation? Sure. Uh, this is Jordan. Um, so basically, we'd been working with Bravo, uh, who's obviously a subsidiary of uh, the NBC Universal Cable Entertainment Group, and they approached us because they had their upcoming Upfront, which uh, I'm sure most of our listeners will know is kind of a major advertising event that most TV networks uh, have, and they uh, came to us with a great idea, this this idea that, um, you know, What's interesting about the Upfront is they have all their advertisers there on site. They have all of their talent there on site, which anyone who works in entertainment knows that uh, the the challenge uh, when, when you're kind of planning for projects that involve talent is talent availability is so key and often the things that can kill an idea. So the fact that they had kind of over 150 uh, major celebrities there on site, they knew was kind of a special opportunity. And so what they wanted to do was find a way to drive uh, and leverage the value of all that on-site talent uh, to their consumers. Uh, they The number that they throw out is 900 million uh, social fans, social followers. So... Um, so they came to us to kind of create that strategy. It was really exciting. Uh, we collaborated heavily with the team over at NBC Universal, and ultimately, what we came up with uh, in terms of to kind of execute the strategy was positioning the upfront to consumers as this awesome launch party for a season uh, upcoming with amazing content, premium content with uh, the best talent. Uh, the world has to offer. And the way that uh, that came down to in terms of execution was this live talk show where we produced multiple segments. Uh, I believe the total in the end was nine. Miriam, correct uh, me if I'm no, wrong. No, I think it was nine. And each segment basically was a, a spin off of a traditional party game. So, you know, we really, uh, we have a team of content developers here in-house who kind of came up with what these games are and how to uh, customize them for each network and we captured the content live we edited it we edited it live <laughs> and uh, <laughs> distributed it across all the NBC Universal cable entertainment group social channels in what I'll say is close to real time uh, all the all the assets basically went out within 30 to 60 minutes of being captured uh, and in addition to this video talk show um, uh, that we produced. We also had a photo area where we had a high-end photographer there on site capturing just really beautiful 
artistic photos of the talent uh, as they were coming off of the red carpet. And, um, and, and I think in general, what, what we're proud about, about the content that we captured is that it was not your typical red carpet fair. It was kind of uh, getting to see a little bit more personality and um, uh, learning not only about the talent, but kind of about the, the, the premium nature of the content that is coming out of NBC Universal. So that in a very long <laughs> nutshell is, is, what, is what we worked on for NBC. And, and I think, so, oh, sorry, Peter, go ahead. No, uh, go ahead, Miriam. Well, I was just going to say that I think, you know, just based uh, uh, again on Jordan's description of the, of the project, the reason why for us this was so successful is that it had a very strong creative strategy um, going into it. We had a very clear idea that our strategy team put together about what we wanted to do and achieve at this event. So that really was, was so important in kind of determining what we wanted to do um, in the execution phase. The other thing that Jordan mentioned was, again, this, this incredible sense of client collaboration. Um, you know, we worked with one client contact, but that quickly swelled into a, a much larger client team, and they were with us kind of every step of the way. Their uh, event producing partner, Hudson Gray, also, you know, did a tremendous job working with us to kind of make this idea a reality and just to, to talk um, where we came into the process, I believe we came in around six weeks before this event. So this huge upfront event was already being planned at the Javits Center. Um, it, we kind of came in at the tail end and we had to work very closely with all these different groups to try to achieve, you know, this little social lounge. Um, and the other, the, just the third thing that I think made it very successful was just the planning that went into it. Very heavy up on logistics. You know, we we pretty much met every single day for six weeks to just talk through what would happen in these three days. The event was one, but there were two like pre-production days. So I just think those three things were pretty key in the overall success um, as we go into the details of it. Sure. So, Jordan, I think, uh, thank you guys both. Jordan, you did a great job of kind of describing where the event ended up. Can you talk a little bit about how it morphed? Where did it start when you first, you know, when, when at the beginning of that six-week period when, you know, you were just hearing what this could be? Can you give us a sense of what was the idea in its inception and how did it grow over those six weeks with those daily phone calls? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say what is... Uh most interesting, but probably not unique about the evolution of the ideas that I would say it's less about how the idea grew and more about how the idea shrunk, uh, which is to say that, you know, when the client called us that, you know, they were specifically um, uh, very direct that they wanted us to think big and anyone who works with us knows we're very good at thinking big. We can come up with awesome big ideas. So that's exactly where we went. We had, you know, our initial kind of um, like storyboards kind of for this event featured, I think more than 20 screens and this a tunnel. tunnel of screens where we were going to kind of source all this information. And we were calling it a tunnel of love where a celebrity would walk through there and uh, there would be content uh, that we had sourced from all their fans telling them how great they are that would lead directly into kind of this talk show lounge set where there would be even more screens everywhere. And, Next you know, it would be, it would be, it would, you know, just this incredible experience. 
and uh, the client who's fantastic, you know, when, when we kind of presented all this to them uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the challenge for the client was, you know, they had to then sell this through to the um, truly the, I mean, the chairman of the NBC Universal Cable Entertainment Group, Bonnie Hammer. And uh, so, so as this kind of continued to work its way up that ladder, of course, uh, as with all projects of this size, scale, and scope, you know, certain elements came away and uh, the kind of the funny mantra that the client kept bringing back to us, which, again, actually, I think speaks to how what pros uh the folks over at NBC are is uh they kept telling us lower your expectations <laughs> lower your expectations next year next year uh which is great because i think um this was a huge undertaking not only for us but in terms of the the kind of project that we were plugging into the event we were plugging into so i think actually the client was very smart to take this approach of yes let's think big we have to sell this idea through and we want to of course kind of get all the amazing ideas and thoughts that that we situation kind of bring to the table as options but ultimately we've got to be able to execute this so what can we how, what can we streamline to make sure that we are um kind of serving our strategy but also going to kind of make sure that anything we're putting out there is going to be premium, excellent, the best of the best, um, which, which ultimately is why I think the idea shrunk kind of <laughs> as, we, as we moved on. How were you measuring success? That's a great question. So ultimately, I think uh, the measure of success was engagement in terms of how people were engaging with, with this content online from the client's perspective, which uh, fortunately was very, very successful. I mean, there were, um, I think, over a million people engaged with the content in just about 24 hours. I actually haven't even seen the current stats to know what that's looking like now, but that was huge for us as an agency um, and great success for NBC. And, and another measure of success was just, uh, you know, was the NBC Universal upfront hashtag trending uh, the day of the event, which of course it was, which was fantastic. Um, but I think for us, Internally, yeah. logistically, I think there were other measures of success where, you know, they were just as important, but, you know, not um, from a consumer facing, making sure that we got as many segments as we did. For us, it was hugely successful. I mean, to give kind of our listeners an idea, the biggest um, challenges that we faced were that this was, this was a one-day event um, and our we were probably like filming for four hours, five hours. And in between our, um, our filming was the actual NBC Universal Upfront presentation. So to give you a sense of the timeline, that day, all the talent uh, first had to go to the... Uh, the glam glam room. What was that? What it was called? It was yeah, I think it was called the, the glam, glam room. room. So, and this was something that was pre-planned. So, it was somewhat of a challenge for us was that it was already planned that for the event itself, all talent would go through this one place to get glammed up. So, hair and makeup, and that was off-site happening. And all of their arrival the times, Trump Soho, no less, Trump all the way Soho. downtown. Yes. Yeah, so. So from a logistical standpoint, the red carpet schedule was set before we even got in there. It was changing up to the last minute, but that meant that their talent that we required for our segments had a specific timeline that they were following. So in some cases, you know, we couldn't plan on who we were going to get. So every single segment that we planned to record had priority talent that we tried to capture for each network, um, and then it had backup talent. So we kind of had to be ready for every single possible scenario in terms of who was actually going to show up 
on this talk show set to be interviewed and all the content was tailored to them. So there was a lot of like just game plans from the very beginning to do that. So the timeline, and what, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, did you guys experience any shuffling of the timeline? Did, of did somebody show up before they were, you expected them to, and you just had to adapt to that? Yeah. I mean, the name of the game day of was just adapting, being fluid, you know, taking the punches as they came. Um, first kind of challenge was that if people were on the red carpet. It probably took 45 minutes for any of the talent to get to our studio just because of the sheer size of the red carpet. So uh, we also, our first um, guests were the puppet from Sprout, Chica. Um, so, and she was very late. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was kind of a nail biter trying hair to figure out. Hair and makeup out. was tough that day. Yes, hair and makeup was very tough for Chica, the, the puppet. But um, so it was a nail biter just in terms of like, getting in the talent. We waited a long time for them to finally start arriving. And then as they started arriving, it was pretty fast and furious as we were turning over that set very quickly. Um, but I would say, you know, speaking of kind of internal metrics of success, one thing that, that I was most proud of watching our team. And again, I think this speaks to the preparation that we did and which kind of goes back to this idea of kind of uh, ideation to execution. But because of the amount of preparation that we did and because we had really thought through all of those worst case scenarios, our team worked so seamlessly. So when we would say, you know, there was a moment when it was like, okay, Sprout is on its way. And then it was like, no, Esquire's coming. <laughs> and then literally it was, okay, no, actually it is going to be Sprout. And everyone on the team just moved so seamlessly. I wasn't seeing any kind of like eyes rolling or, <laughs> no, you know, we're, we're on radio. <laughs> yeah, everybody's on radio. Everybody's moving. One radio channel, by the way, which was, we had all of our communication was on one channel. And so that included all the stage management set cues, um, along with all of just like our back and forth discussion about, we had people positioned on the red carpet to, to give us a heads up when talent was coming. So there, it was a one very busy channel and it was got a little bit uh, crowded there, but it was that was a learning for next year. For next year. Yeah. Uh, one of our, our favorite, I think Jordan, our favorite story is yes. we had a segment that we were doing with the sci-fi network. Um, it was called Date Ditch Duel. That's right. That was the second name. So that's why I had to take a second yeah. to try to remember the correct name. Um, so it's a Date Ditch Duel, and it had these cubes that were created for each contestant. So we could ask them a question about, like, you know, for those of you familiar with the name Mary Shag Kill. <laughs> correct. It's it's a very an similar of that. You know, and, and one I believe one of the options was like E.T., uh, T-Rex. And I can't like the, the from, alien from alien, you know, exactly. and you had to decide who would you would date, who you would ditch, who you would duel. Anyway, these very lovely, well-designed cubes uh, that our design team here did. Uh, we had a situation where on the radio, we quickly learned that there would be five people playing this game instead of four. We initially only planned for four. And so there was a moment where we were like, what are we going to do with these props? And I, and I yelled out to the prop team, you know, what are we guys, what are we going to do? Let's just get prepared to have someone share it. And then a wonderful like sun peeking through the clouds moment occurred when um, the, one of the people on the props team found this extra cube. So that a huge our designer, shout out. Yeah. Our huge Lisberg. Lisberg. Junior designer and situation. Go shake her hand. Yes, she had the foresight to create one extra prop for each of the games. So we needed it. It was there. And we quickly brought on all the extra talent. And 
it, it was uh, went off without a hitch. So that that was exciting. It was exciting to be in the moment and feel like, okay, we're so prepared. We even have these uh, surprises taken care of. Yeah, it was funny because there were some days, you know, like Miriam said, we literally met. We had a we had a meeting every day, at least one meeting. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes uh, Miriam three. would not be happy with me because <laughs> I would take a lot of her schedule to talk about this. And there were some conversations where we kind of would feel like, oh my gosh, do we really need to think through mm-hmm. if this happens? But I have to say, I it seems it sounds like kind of kindergarten uh, level to say that having those conversations was helpful. But honestly, it really was just, just feeling like, okay, particularly because I think Miriam and, I, Miriam and I really had a strong partnership throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. So I felt completely, uh, I, Miriam had my complete trust, and I, I hope I can say the same. I, th- I think you can uh, say the same. <laughs> but I, I think that really helped the sense of, like, we had talked through everything. Any situation that popped up was something we had already discussed. There was So there was already a sense of, like, both of us feeling confident to, like, make a decision in real time and um, just yeah. move on. I mean, I think the really the important thing to an event of this size is really is thinking a, a lot about the small details. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I have a friend that works in events and, and we always kind of talk about that. But you have to think about things like food and garbage cans. You do. Mm-hmm. I mean, people take it for granted, but to feel really comfortable in a space and in this situation for NBC, we it started in a completely empty space at, at the Javits North Hall. And then, you know, we, we threw pipe and drape. We created this little carved out backstage area and we really had to outfit the entire space with like just what you would need to put on not only the talk show, but create an edit, a live edit suite and then create a section for all of the brand managers from the client's end to just to be and do their work. So, you know, the key to logistics is thinking about the small things um, so that everything just kind of moves seamlessly in the day. And then I'll say in terms of the big things, like there were things that for me um, and and the, you know, the partner that I work with, Chris Hawthorne, on the video side that we didn't worry about. You know, it's like if you hire good people, you don't worry about it. We never really worried about the idea of filming this um, this live show. Uh, we didn't really worry about the editors or the cameramen because those guys just know their job and you hire them to do it and they're great. You know, same thing in terms of like our strategy team or the brand managers that came in from NBC. It's like we had great people there from the very beginning. So those aren't the things I worried about, but we worried about things like the logistics of moving the talent through the space and, and, uh, just getting everything done in such a short time period. So that's where I think the, the planning of the details is is kind of important when you know you have a really great team in place. But the other thing that I'll say that I think is important, especially once you get on site, so especially Mm -hmm. once you kind of move into those pre-production days or obviously kind of the day of, I think it's this idea that um, even if it doesn't feel like it's within scope or within Mm -hmm. the scope of your job, you know, taking it on, taking ownership and taking care of it. So the sense of, you know, if someone walks onto our set and we doesn't we don't know who they are, you know, yeah. kind of helping them figure out okay, where they need to go or what's next. Like there's an element of of even just I think it's ownership. I don't know, yeah. Miriam, if you agree, but there is a sense of like things are going to come up and there's going to be every reason to that it's that we're going to point fingers at somebody else, but ultimately what's most efficient is taking ownership of it, just taking care of it and, you know, figuring out, you know, even if that is connecting it to someone else on the, on the NBC side or the client side. But, um, I don't know if you, yeah, no, I mean, I know what you mean. It was a really funny thing because a lot of people moved their way through that backstage area that had nothing to do with 
you know, they're just random people, random celebrities, random NBC employees, random, like everybody was just kind of coming into that space. I would like to think because they felt how much fun was going on in there. And I they agree just wanted with you. to be a part I of it. I agree with you. But yeah, you're right. It's like, I got a lot of random questions and you just kind of have to just go with it and, and try to help where you can. Um, but yeah, I, I will say it's very important to make sure that it's a fun thing. I mean, I think working in events for sure, there's no reason why it shouldn't be fun at the end of the day. Yeah, there's going to be so many reasons for it not to be fun. That you, have, you have to take the moments for it to be fun. I exactly. think that, yeah, we, we were definitely successful at that. Yeah. You talked about taking ownership of things, which, you know, sometimes, you know, the marketing team can come in and say, we're just going to solve problems. What about those things? Because I know you guys were working with some union crews. What about those things that you couldn't take ownership of? How did you, how did you make sure that, you know, you could get the people who are working on your team, those professionals to kind of bring their A game to the table? You know, it was, I won't say it was a challenge, but it was um, an interesting, for me personally, I, I hadn't, I work primarily in video production um, and doing events of this size, depending on the venue, you know, you, you have to use their union provided crews. Um, and this was interesting for us because we, because we came in at the end, there was already a union call for the entire event. And then we had kind of a specific crew that was helping us with this, with the backstage lounge. Um, so we had to go through it, the process of like hiring those union members to join us. Um, when we had already hired a team of, you know, very qualified, um, production at like production, um, sorry, electricians and gaffers who were very familiar with our equipment. So there was a little bit of just before we got there, um, just kind of nervousness around working, those two teams working together, the video team and then these union crews. Um, but when we arrived, you know, there we had three people on most of the time and they were, they were great. You know, there was kind of a, a learning curve in terms of putting up some of the equipment. Um, and there, there were some tense moments. We the, were there on our second day. We were loading in the set and, or maybe the first day, but they were loading in the set and the set included this, one of the set pieces was a plasma TV that, you know, hung behind the couch. So if you'll remember when we were initially thinking 30, that did scale down to one. One, one exactly. <laughs> we ended up with two screens, one that was on set That's true. and the second screen that was supposed to be a, a monitor, client viewing monitor in the, in the actual like backstage of the backstage. And you know, they, these, these two guys are, are putting this plasma on the set. And of course it, it gets on the wall and we look at it and we realize that the plasma has been broken. So a bunch of the pixels just were knocked out and they may have pushed it into the wall too aggressively. And it was a, re it was a really crazy moment where it was like, well, this computer, I mean, this is this computer, this TV is dead. We need it. What are we going to do? And it was on me to kind of just go find someone from our our partner Hudson Gray, and and I'll never forget just going up to someone and saying, "Hey, that plasma TV is broken. What now?" <laughs> and they were amazing. Within like three hours, we had another plasma from. Well, we took the plasma from the backstage area. It was added to the set, and then we got another client viewing monitor. So in that situation, you know what? It wasn't. There wasn't a lot of like finger pointing, a lot of yelling. It was just like this happened. What do we do now? Someone come up, came up with a, a backup really quickly, and you know, and we moved on. And I think that's what absolutely has to happen in an event situation. There is not time to yell, scream, be upset. Not even really time to think about it. It's just about like, what do we do now? Well, and this is an opportunity for me to 
pat Miriam on the back <laughs> because I do, I feel like that is one of the strengths that Miriam brings to the table. And I think that is, goes across the board in terms of, you know, when you're looking at bringing kind of these crazy big ideas to execution, it's having people who can remain, you know, super cool in those moments. Cause it's funny when the, the story that Miriam's <laughs> talking about, I just happened to kind of walk on set as this was happening and Miriam just kind of came over to me and was laughing and she's like, Hey, that the, our screen broke. And you, I, I thought she was kidding. Like she was so calm about it. I thought she was kidding. I think I, it's like, but, I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah, of course. But no, I do think like the, the, like you just have a, a level of emotional intelligence that I think helps that truly so much of the success of how that day goes, how everything you do goes. And I think, you know, most people who do well in roles like yours do have this elevated level of emotional intelligence just to be able to <laughs> read people, read the room, understand exactly when, you know, uh, like a line needs to be drawn in the sand or when, you know, someone needs a hug <laughs> that, uh, that I think really Hugs are important. Hugs are important. Yeah. You know, they, but it really does help kind of those days run smoothly because yeah like you said it's got to be fun and yeah something's I always, always gonna go wrong I always think of a quote but Peter I don't think I can say it because I don't know about your um ability to bleep things out so I won't Kevin say Kevin our producer will bleep will bleep yeah you. yeah yeah go for it <laughs> there's a line from the Big Lebowski and it's basically like nothing is fucked here dudes and whenever <laughs> And you can, you can edit that out, but you know, whenever I am on set, you know, cause, because that's the thing. It's like, you can plan as much as you want. It's like, it's almost kind of adorable to plan overthink it. And in this case, it was very successful, but I mean, for all the sets that we've been on some just crazy things happen, like mm -hmm. things that you don't account for, you know, and you just have to just say to yourself, all right, like nothing, nothing is wrong here just have to keep going and you know something else will happen to balance everything out yeah it's just it's just the way that's what makes it fun i know i think it does it makes yeah. it fun but so many crazy things have happened you know not just with this uh this shoot which in in a weird way i will say was relatively calm oh i th i thought yeah. that's what actually made the day seem so crazy to me that it was <laughs> it was just like Every, there was so much, I guess it is kind of like the, the kind of, uh, whatever iconic image of mm -hmm. like the duck paddling underwater where their feet are going 50 miles an hour and they're smooth above, you know, it did yeah. feel a little bit that like that, but I mean, that's personally, I like, I get excited by that. Yeah, no, but I, and I think the, the key to, on because having been on many sets is just in terms of working with the client, um, I think Jordan was very good at being a advocate for the client and kind of listening to their needs and, you know, uh, calming their fears because it was obviously an important moment for them as well. And there was a lot going on. And I think that having a conduit between, you know, production end and the client end and making sure that everybody's being heard um, and that things are, are kind of moving along is so important. And, and Jordan really did a good job with that because it would, if without having someone to be able to make those decisions along with you and the, with the client, um, 
I've seen things really go wrong on other shoots when that's that's not present. So it takes a village, my friends. Well, we have to give the client props too because, yeah. I mean, they took on a lot of risk mm-hmm. in, in doing this. Like, this yeah. is a huge project. They're putting their talent, their precious talent, mm-hmm. on the front lines, you know, and um, this for something that hadn't been done before. I mean, obviously, I, I certainly believe – uh, we had the chops to do it, but there's no, there's nothing we can point to that, that says, you know, here is the exact relevant experience that we had, yeah. you know, so I have to give our, 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 client kind of props for, you know, having the, the wherewithal to kind of identify that, that we had the talent to do it. And, uh, it was a great, it's a great yeah. idea. Like it was great it was that they, they took a risk to try something new at an event that, you know, an annual event that has been the same for so long. Yeah. Great. Oh, that's a good point. And we had a fantastic host, Jenny Poulos. She Jenny Poulos. Very, very of Bravo sweet. TV's flipping yeah. out. She was, she, we were a very pro. lucky to have her. She and she was signed on, I think, a week before. Yes. The plan was to have a host in place, I think, four weeks before. Um, you know, and no plan survives first attack, as yeah. Damien always says. So we had her, yeah, in place, I think she came maybe in seven days before. Seven days before. And one of the actual segments that we ended up doing was a game of her creation. Um, it was maybe the, one of our strongest yeah, segments, Prancing too. Elites. She, of we, Oxygen. Of Oxygen. We had them creating kind of dances on the fly. Um, so it, it really worked out very well. You know, so that's, that's part of the stuff that you can't plan for um, or, you, you know, you don't account for at the beginning. It's like some things, well, things go wrong, Deb. Some things go very right. So, mm-hmm. you know, like having Jenny there, like her ability to kind of like improv- improvise and, and go with the flow, like that went really well. That went right. So it's like things go wrong, things go right. Yeah, it's all about the people because I think mm-hmm. even like when we've said looking back on it, what are the, some of the things we would do differently would be even, you know, obviously we would love to have uh, more time with Jenny or the host, whoever, you know, in advance because we want to make sure that that person feels like part of our team. Mm-hmm. You know, it is kind of creating creating a, like a cohesive team environment for whoever is going to be kind of on our property, I'll say, you know. Well, speaking of this, um, you talked a little bit about how cool it was the client came to you and gave you all, like had, had faith in you to kind of make this all happen. What could like other clients that are maybe thinking outside the box a little bit, like learn from that, that sometimes you have to go ahead and just take a risk with this and make sure you're, you trust your partners, obviously. So much of it is about, uh, about, like trust and relationship and gut. I mean, you know, we worked with Bravo. I think they had a good sense of what we do well, uh, who we are, and a sense that we deliver on 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 what we promise in, in a very transparent way. And so I think that that is what set us up in terms of being in a place to um, for them to even consider us to take this on. Uh, and I think that that, I, I think what other folks maybe can learn from that is, you know, you should, you should always be uh, reviewing the partners that you work with on an ongoing basis, you know, making sure like, are they, are they, are they pushing us more than, more than we're kind of pulling them? And are these people that I can trust? And, 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 and are there services that they, if the answers to all of those is an overwhelming yes, it's what do I know exactly about what they do? Because if it's someone that you've worked with for quite some time, especially in the digital space, you know, maybe their service set has changed and maybe they offer something that, that you didn't even realize. And, and maybe you're sitting on this opportunity that, that, you know, you may be considering, but maybe you think, oh, well, if I only had the right partner, I, I would really need someone that I trust. Well, maybe there is someone you trust and you just don't know it yet. 
Um, I, I don't know. That, I, that would be something I, I might throw out there. Well, Miriam and Jordan, thank you guys so, so much for sharing your experience working at the Upfronts this year. It's clear that you were the power couple that made the whole thing up with, with many, many others. With but many, you can tell just, I mean, just, just to, by listening yeah. to you guys that you, you have such a, uh, uh, a chemistry with one another that you really play to each other's strengths. So I wouldn't discount that at all. And, and uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll lead to many, many future events uh, producing down the road. Thanks for having us, Peter. Yes, fun. thank you. Uh, and so now, before we let you go, uh, I do want to take one minute at the end to go around the table uh, and wrap up this week by just saying one thing that we think we don't want our listeners to miss this week. Um, so, Lauren, why don't we start with you? Can you tell us one thing that you can recommend to our listeners? Sure. So um, you might have already seen it, so I don't know if it's this week or not, but something that you should check out. There's this video. It's about like an eight-minute short film called Denali, I think is the name of it, how you say it, D-E-N-A-L-I. And it is a short film that I, when I first saw it, I just thought it was a short film someone did. But I found out later that Patagonia paid for it, and it was native advertising. But it was so subtle that you didn't even really know that it was really promoting out outdoor living and outdoor life, but it was about this guy who's a really adventurous outdoors guy and his dog who was dying. And I'm a dog person anyway, so I was a sucker from the start, but um, it was just amazing. I was so touching and just so moving. I think anyone is the, one of the most valuable eight minutes of your day that you could spend. I agree. I saw that and it, it made me cry completely, but yeah. in a good did way. You know, <laughs> Every, everybody did you know it was it, Patagonia sure. sponsored? See? I didn't, not until you yeah. just told me. So, yeah, very interesting Brilliant. example of native <laughs> advertising, uh, tearjerker. Jordan, uh, what about you? What shouldn't people miss? So this is maybe seemingly irrelevant to this conversation. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not, but it's it's something that I've become obsessed with lately, and I would highly recommend it to people. And uh, dare I do it, but I'm going to recommend another podcast, <laughs> which is the New York Times book review podcast, which I just started listening to. And I love it. The, the, um, an editor there kind of takes you through the, you know, traditional printed book review, which I don't receive the New York Times by print. Uh, so I never read it, but she takes you through it and they interview authors or people who have reviewed things. They talk about kind of news in the publishing world. And I have found it very um, inspiring lately. You, I, I, it's really interesting to hear both from kind of the creative perspective and also the business perspective on um, what's happening there. I highly recommend it. Are you going to use that to recommend a book for our Situation Book Club? <laughs> oh, absolutely I would. <laughs> Excellent. And Miriam, what about you? What shouldn't people miss? Well, again, not a new thing, um, but just if people don't know about it, uh, there's a really wonderful video channel, and it's called nowness.com, so nowness.com, and um, it really, it basically pulls together a lot of really inspiring and well-done videos um, based on kind of subject, so they have a lot of great, like, fashion pieces, um, travel, food, all, all of the videos are beautifully done, really well produced. Um, and I always kind of go there for a daily inspiration. So they always have good things. So I, I would recommend that. Mm, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I'm going to check out yeah, the book. That sounds great. And this eight minute video. Denali. <laughs> Denali. Denali. And I'm, I'm going to go tech with my thing not to miss. Uh, so E3 was last week, uh, the entertainment electronic entertainment expo. Uh, a lot of video games, a lot of interesting, cool, geeky stuff gets shown around. And there was a video 
for the Microsoft HoloLens, which we've had our eye on for a while, which just looks amazing. It's like Google Glass, but to the next level. And uh, they did a demo of someone wearing it to play Minecraft on the stage. So it was actually a, a, pr a produced product and not just a promotional video. This thing looks like it could be really great. So I can't wait to get my hands on one and try it. I created a short link for anybody who wants to go see the video. It's at sitch.co slash hololens. That's H-O-L-O-L-E-N-S if you want to see it. So it's pretty cool. Love it. So thank you guys for listening to our inaugural podcast, Inside Situation. I want to give a huge shout out to my co-host, Lauren, to our guests, Jordan and Miriam, to our producer, Kevin, and of course, to our fearless leader, Damian Bazadana. If you guys have ideas about what you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast, please send us an email. You can email podcast at situation.nyc, and we will look at every comment that comes in, and uh, maybe your topic will be one of our future podcasts. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you guys soon.